The Future Lifestyle Pro Podcast. Hey, it's me, Maddie. Let's have a deep chat with Matt. Making this because I want it to be rewatchable by people. So I'm not interested how many people are watching right now, but this guy has got some seriously good value to share, and I really want everyone to be able to learn something from him. Um, obviously, my name is Matthew Broadbent. I'm an online marketer. I'm a firefighter. I'm a musician. I'm a dad. And that's why I've got on this um, live today because I want to speak to Razwan, and he he's a he's a real expert in child psychology, in human psychology, and we can really learn a lot from him. But just while he's getting into this um, into this call, hi Tom. Hey Matthew. Razwan, right. I'm kind of just ligged out on my couch here. I've sent the kids to the shop. Um, so firstly, in, firstly, introduce yourself and tell us what Mansheds is, please. Okay, so uh, uh, I've been a father for the last 19 years. I've got three boys. Been a teacher for about 10, 11 years, although I've left the teaching profession now. And um, I set up a, an organization called Mansheds. Very simple idea behind it was to create a space where men could come together, hence uh, man sheds the noun. It's a space for people to come. And secondly, it was a play on the word sheds, because um, as men, as individuals, we've grown up, we often uh, pick up some, uh, some nonsense ideas. So man sheds is also the teaching of certain tools that can help individuals, particularly men, to some, somewhat shed uh, away uh, some uh, negativities, some uh, you know, passive ideas, uh, and ultimately to uh, find their true self uh, and move away from this worldly uh, self that uh, we're using to kind of just navigate through life and not really uh, finding uh, peace and joy. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, and, and like I said before, the concept of that man sheds himself somewhere we can actually shed ourselves is uh, it's brilliant. And I was talking about this recently. The ego, I think, is such a, a, plays such a huge part and holds us back so much. Yeah. And especially in men, especially in a working... I don't know if... I don't even know if it happens to be in any different class but in a working class environment it's very very um prevalent is the ego and how it holds everyone back yeah. so you know it's it's a really good concept yeah. um right okay so firstly what i want to ask you and i'm going to take notes in the comments section if, if there's a few notes i really want to take i'm going to take them in comments section because my pen and paper's upstairs but um why do children misbehave? I would say that uh, the children's misbehavior is uh, almost uh, a physical expression of what they can't verbalize. Um, if you think about their misbehavior with, uh, with you as a parent or with yourself as a teacher, then they uh, misbehave uh, 
uh, as a way of playing up. You know, they don't have the spaces, the, maybe they haven't been taught how to, or maybe they don't feel that as, pa- <coughs> that as parents, we want to actually listen to them. So they will play up and they will use it as almost a call out for cry, for help, for attention uh, in so many different ways. That's, that's probably the short answer for why children misbehave. Um, and, I, and, I, and I will say short because I don't think there's anything inherently or innately um, wrong with any child. No child is born evil that their evil comes out. It's a very, very um, silly idea to suggest that. But in fact, it's, they just don't know how to express themselves and they start playing up as a way to do that. Yeah, I, uh, like I, I, as well, again, like I mentioned before, um, I don't think we grow out of that yeah. feeling either. Yeah. Um, uh, when we lose our head, where you know, one example I can give is when I recently when I had a, an argument argument with my wife, and it never gets too bad, but um, the only way it eventually escalates to a point where we can't express ourselves yeah. in any other way than in in showing our anger, and um, obviously then you regret it or you think how could I maybe change what I would do. Personally, me, I try and grow from it, but still, when that moment arises again, it still seems to get a hold of you. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, Even as adults, it does. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, um, what do you think about, I learned recently, do you agree that all right, so let me. I I learned this example, right? And you tell me what your opinion is on this. What I'm going to say next, right? So you, you say that all children are born equal, and I agree. Um, let's just say, take for instance that there was two twins born. Yeah. And one twin, for, for, for in this hypothetical reason, stayed with the most loving and caring family most open-minded and empathic parents that that a kid could possibly hope for. And one was given for adoption with a very, uh, with a very, well, no, let's just say an equally lovely. more than the adopted child because of the the love that the natural love that it's receiving you're gonna have to ask the question again uh, matthew because i didn't get the last bit okay so two two twins but one gets given up for adoption one stays with its biological parents both both are we, both sets of parents are very good, very open-minded, very empathic. They want the best for the children and they want to do the best for the children, like we all do. But what 
would the kid that gets given up for adoption grow in a more negative way than the child who stays with its biological parents? Okay, <clears throat> I would say that um, it's very um, hypothetical to to almost suggest that by virtue of being with your parents, you're safe, and by virtue of being adopted, you're less safe or you're more likely to have trouble. I think the, the, the thing uh, about this is you get parents, biological parents, who are healthy towards children, and you also get way more loving and healthy than even biological parents. So it's important we, we put that distinction there and we, we make that, we, we identify that as a, an important way to, to understand this. Nevertheless, what I would add is that when a child is taken away from their primary caregivers, even if those caregivers are actually diff, um, not good for them, that um, it's important that the new household provides that child with an incredible amount of love, care, safety, nurturing of their boundaries, nurturing of their sense of self, because the trauma that's, that's left behind in a child that's taken away from their parents is incredible. So it is very different if a child was a baby, had no awareness, <clears throat> and was then um, in, a, in an adopted scenario. Um, but even, even in cases where um, children were, uh, you know, I'll give an example of um, a gentleman, a doctor who I read um, many years ago, what happened was in the, in, after World War II or during World War II, his mother had to give him up. Now, this gentleman is in his 80s now. His mother had to give him up for about six months to, to six to, ten, to eight months. His mother had to give him up uh, because of the fear that um, she, uh, he, he, he was a, a Jewish ch a child and there was a fear that he would get killed. So he, she gave him up and uh, a year later or six or eight months later, she came back. Now that um, uh, kind of uh, abandonment, he says that even as an eight-year-old, he knows he can feel it. He can feel the abandonment and he describes how later on, even if his wife uh, or his partner doesn't um, pick him up, for example, he gave an example where he, she w didn't pick him up from a, a store, uh, sorry, from the airport once. And he, he it took him a whole week to her because of that sense of abandonment. And he doesn't have any other idea how that abandonment came about because in his adulthood or in his childhood, he didn't have any of that except for that one scenario uh, or that one situation when, when he was actually a baby. So, the... Yeah, w was the gentleman that you were talking about called uh, <clears throat> Dr. Gabor Mate? That's the one. That's the one. You know, he's uh, somebody that I've listened to all of his videos. I've read, uh, I'm just reading one of his books at the moment uh, about uh, attention deficit disorder, actually. Um, and I've read all of his other books. It's just um, somebody that really resonates, a very, very honest, open, uh, strong individual, vulnerable individual. He's just amazing. I, I would recommend anybody to understand yeah. how to better raise their children. And I've read hundreds of books on parenting, um, his book, which he's written with another doctor called Gordon Newfeld, called Hold On To Your Kids, is, um, is definitely something to read. Brilliant. Um, okay, uh, uh, something I wanted to, to, to ask you, and, you know, I'll, 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 
I kind of like to ask it in a little bit of a selfish way. Um, <clears throat> how do we raise healthy and independent children? And further to that, how do we keep our daughters from becoming, let's just say, promiscuous? <laughs> okay. Um, so very first thing is to realize that uh, any abuse of the self uh, on a physical, sexual, spiritual level, um, then, um, you know, that's uh, really due to, uh, a, a, sorry, um, an individual not being taught what their own boundaries are. Because if their boundaries whilst growing up are abused, then what will happen is they, uh, they will allow their boundaries. They won't know how to protect their boundaries as they go along. Um, you know, if it's, for example, just look at it uh, on an emotional level. Maybe a child's grown up and on an emotional level, they have to um, do things for their parents. Uh, you know, when the parent's not feeling good, the parent comes to the child and shares everything to the child and the child has to bear it. Or when the parent is not feeling good about themselves, they... They, they come down hard on the child and they shout at the child and they scream at the child and they swear at the child and they put the child down. They shouldn't do it anyway, but they, they don't apologize. They don't make up for it. They continue to do it. What that, will, that message will send to that child is that they will either think acceptable or this is something that I need to do when I'm feeling the same thing because we learn through what we see. Now, on a sexual level, whether it's promiscuity, uh, as as a as a thing, I think it's important that again to realize that um, uh, there's a wonderful lady called Pia Melody, who's an American uh, uh, psychiatrist. I think she's a from a Christian uh, faith background, uh, although she's not deeply religious, but she still is somebody who's very spiritual. And she says that the giving of the soul and the giving of the body are the same thing. That actually, when we give us our body away to somebody the soul is crying out for attention. And when it doesn't get that attention, the, the, it really hurts the, the self-esteem. So hence why it's important to give your body and your mind and your heart and your soul to somebody that you feel you can trust with, as opposed to simply just having pleasure uh, on a sexual level. Uh, and that's the same for boys. But, uh, you know, just because uh, it's 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 not just about uh, guiding girls to protect themselves. It's actually more so, I would argue, in the world that we're living in, to uh, encourage our boys to be very, very, uh, you know, spiritually aware of what it means to 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 engage in in sexual um, uh, relationships. That they need to be in a healthy uh, place, as opposed to just moving from one uh, 